Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the grounding of SS City of Salisbury, a cargo freighter with a bizarre history regarding exotic zoo animals, and a sinking that is just as strange. If you'd like to hear this story as well as a statement from a real zookeeper, stay tuned. Quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, animal abuse, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised for those under the age of 13. Please keep in mind that I'm not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I've done my research. Okay everyone, let's get into it. Shout out to our listener who correctly guessed the SS City of Salisbury in our shout out contest, OK1850 on YouTube. Thank you so much. Also, shout out today's special guest, Zookeeper and my brother, Kyle. I'll be giving you his story later in this episode, so stay tuned to the end. Thank you, Kyle, for the suggestion for this ship, for your perspective on zookeeping, and happy Zookeeper Week to you. Let's get into the story of SS City of Salisbury. She was a steel cargo ship built by William Gray and Company at their Ware Shipyard in Sunderland, England in 1924 for Ellerman City Line Limited. In imperial measurements, she was 415 feet long, had a beam of 54 feet wide, and a depth of 30.3 feet. In metric measurements, that's 126.5 meters in length, a beam of 16.5 meters wide, and a depth of 9.25 meters deep. As for gross tonnage, she displaced 5,924 tons. She was equipped with one triple expansion steam engine, with the cylinder diameters being 24.25 inches, 42.5 inches, and 74 inches, which is 61.6 centimeters, 108 centimeters, and 188 centimeters in diameter. The stroke was 51 inches or 130 centimeters, providing 750 nominal horsepower to an electric turbine, turning one screw. She had three single-ended steel boilers and 12 corrugated furnaces. She had one smokestack, a cruiser stern, flat keel, cellular constructed double bottom, seven bulkheads extended to the upper deck with one extended up to the second deck and all of them partly cemented. She had two continuous steel decks. She had a crew of 76, the ship being mastered by Captain Oscar Harris. Her home port was Liverpool, England, and her IMO number was 147264. SS City of Salisbury was a cargo vessel, and she transported some interesting cargo. This included natural rubber, iron, tea, sugar, rice, bolts of silk, tapestries, up to 8,000 tons of jute, and exotic animals. If you're wondering what jute is, it's a long, rough, shiny bass fiber that can be spun into coarse, strong threads. Let's be honest though, we're all here for the exotic animals. Up until the final voyage, her service history was not notable, as far as I can tell. There's no history of what she did between 1924 and 1938 until her final enormous voyage. This voyage was absolutely disastrous from the get-go and would end in tragedy. Before the sinking but during the final voyage, there were strange and sad incidents aboard SS City of Salisbury regarding her animal cargo. SS City of Salisbury started her final voyage, which was a 10,000-mile odyssey, sometime in either late 1937 or early 1938, with an estimated $2 million in cargo. 
We have no record of where this voyage started, but we know she had stops in Calcutta, India, Ceylon, Sri Lanka, the Malay states, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Boston, Massachusetts, with her journey scheduled to end in New York City, New York. Before they left Calcutta, India, the crew had loaded a Himalayan bear on board. There are multiple Himalayan bears, both a black bear and brown bear, and we are unsure which one was aboard SS City of Salisbury. But Himalayan bears are omnivores, with the brown bear version being the largest mammal in the region. They do hibernate during the winter, much like other types of bears, and have faced poaching for their fur and claws, as well as trees and their favorite habitat being cut frequently and reducing the size of their habitat, thus endangering them. Interestingly enough, these animals have also been linked to the mysterious legend of the Yeti or Abominable Snowman. Well, the lovely Himalayan bear that was aboard as the city of Salisbury escaped before the ship left Calcutta, India, and it was never recovered. They left Calcutta without this bear and had even more trouble at sea. There were two king cobras in a cage together, a male and a female. If you don't know what a king cobra is, it is a venomous snake endemic to Asia, and they are the world's largest venomous snake. They are known for their wide neck flap and for sitting upward, sometimes being charmed by snake charmers. The venom of a king cobra is highly toxic to human beings, capable of killing a grown human man in under 30 minutes if an anti-venom is not provided in that time. Well, these two king cobras apparently had some sort of serious marital spat whilst Essa City of Salisbury was at sea because one of them cannibalized the other. So far, we have a missing Himalayan bear and one king cobra eaten by its mate. What else could go wrong? Well, it gets worse. SS City of Salisbury pulled into Halifax, Nova Scotia at some point during the voyage with the animals they had left. While they were docked in Halifax Harbor, 25 monkeys escaped. We don't know what type of monkeys these were, but it's alarming that 25 primates were capable of running away from this ship and her crew. So far, this 10,000-mile voyage has been nothing but problems, and it will only get worse from here. Sources differ on an exact date, but either Friday, April 22, 1938, or Saturday, April 23, 1938, the weather was clear and beautiful as SS City of Salisbury made her way into the outer portion of Boston Harbor, led by a Boston pilot, Captain William H. Lewis. If you don't know what a pilot is in nautical terms, we're going to go over that now. A maritime pilot, marine pilot, harbor pilot, port pilot, ship pilot, or simply just pilot, is a mariner who has specific knowledge of an often dangerous or congested waterway, such as harbors or river mounts. They know everything about these waterways, like the depth, currents, and any hazards, so they will board or temporarily join the crew of a ship to safely guide the ship's passage. This requires pilots to be incredibly skilled mariners, comfortable with numerous types of ships of all shapes and sizes. All pilots are licensed or authorized by a recognized pilotage authority, so Captain William H. Lewis was very comfortable with using his maps and charts to guide ships into Boston Harbor, and he was doing that for SS City of Salisbury. As Captain Lewis and SS City of Salisbury made their way toward Boston Harbor, a thick blanket of fog swept across the harbor, burying the ship in an endless sea of white. Navigating in fog was difficult then and is still difficult now, but despite this challenge, Captain Lewis was confident in his abilities and his position. According to the charts given to him by the government, SS City of Salisbury had plenty of clearance with plenty of water in the area northeast of Graves Ledge Light, where the ship was passing. 
Unfortunately, his chart was wrong, and Estes City of Salisbury lurched to a stop, having impaled herself on an uncharted pinnacle of rock near the outer edge of Graves Ledge. SS City of Salisbury was now in a very precarious spot. The bow and stern hung off the pinnacle of the ledge, where the midship section rested. However, the ship was built to have water completely supporting this midsection, like most cargo ships, and so the ebb and flow of the tide combined with a ground swell began to put unnecessary stress on the hull. The ship creaked and groaned against the pressure, with the skeleton crew of 14 seamen and four officers fleeing shortly after the ship grounded, with the cargo of exotic animals being removed as well. Estes City of Salisbury would stay there overnight, not succumbing to her injuries just yet. The following day, strange noises emanated from deep within the belly of the cargo vessel, with the ship beginning to heave and strain around noon that second day. As the New York Times reported, quote, As the officers and men hurried to the afterdeck, there was a crash from within the vessel. The forward portion rolled to starboard and, amid a swirl of the otherwise calm waters, disappeared from sight. SS City of Salisbury had broken back just forward of the single smokestack. Quote, the stern of the ship trembled and then rose high in the water, but settled back on the ledge. While this was happening, the ship's crew was rescued from the sinking stern by a tugboat that had tempted fate by pulling it back up to the ledge to retrieve the crew trying to save their vessel. By midsummer around July or August, the forward section of SS City of Salisbury had slipped into deeper waters and what little of the ship remained on the pinnacle of the ledge was being torn apart and battered by the surf. A crack had begun running along half of the ship, and about two weeks before the stern finally broke up and slipped out of the water, author Edward Rowe Snow actually visited the wreck and wrote this about its condition. Quote, it was a weird sensation. The grinding and gnashing of the iron rods and broken timbers far down under the water could plainly be heard, and the steamer would shudder and jerk as the groundswell passed alongside. The stern would survive the great hurricane that struck Boston on September 21, 1938, but would be struck down by an October Northeaster. The Coast Guard would end up clearing Captain Lewis of any wrongdoing, being that government chart number 246 was actually incorrect, with the chart showing 33 feet of water over this area, and this would have been plenty of room for SS City of Salisbury to pass over. As we know, this was not the case, and the freighter was lost. Let's cover the salvage operation. As we know, most of Estes City of Salisbury's cargo of exotic animals was recovered prior to the vessel snapping in half, including 300 monkeys, 20 crates of rare birds, 40 cobras, and 40 pythons. Shortly after the bow settled to the bottom of the sea, cargo began to float up from the cargo holds, with the currents washing it up on Nantasket Beach and the South Shore. By August of 1938, a salvage crew out of New York removed much of what was left in the stern section of the ship, and according to Edward Rowe Snow, divers were still removing cargo from the ship as late as 1963. Over the years, her hull was blasted open with explosives and a lot of the steel was removed for scrap, leaving the ship a shell of her former self. SS City of Salisbury rests at the base of the pinnacle of Graves Ledge in roughly 80 to 90 feet of water, which is 24 to 27 meters. The bow rests sitting like a dunce cap at the base of the pinnacle, with wreckage found on both sides of the ledge. Today, the wreck is little more than an underwater scrap heap due to the salvage operations and the tides battering the ship. You can dive this wreck, but just as I recommend with all wreck dives, make sure you have a professional team with you and you know what you're getting yourself into. 
All right, now the fun part of the episode. I interviewed my brother Kyle for this episode in honor of National Zookeeper Week, and he actually chose this ship for this episode because of all the exotic animals that were on board. Kyle is one of the lead zookeepers at a local zoo in our state, and at his specific zoo, they focus on conservation of the state's natural wildlife. This means they take in animals that have no way of surviving in the wilderness in our state because of unfortunate circumstances, as well as acquiring animals the way zoos normally would. All of the species in the zoo Kyle works at are indigenous to our state, making it a unique zoo-going experience. For his privacy's sake, I won't be sharing the name of the zoo at this time. He's the only male zookeeper at his zoo, and he'd stick out like a sore thumb. We don't want to make him an instant celebrity just yet. When I interviewed him, I asked Kyle about his profession, what it means to him, and the important role zoos can play in conservation as well as other efforts. He had the following to say. Quote, for me and for many in the profession, being a zookeeper is something I worked very hard to become and I'm always trying to improve. Important parts of being a zookeeper for me is working effectively with a great team, knowing animal behaviors, and self-care. Self-care is something a lot of keepers struggle with since we all love the animals we care for so much. Animal conservation is an ever-growing and evolving field. Zoos and other sanctuary-type facilities can be used as refuges for endangered species to keep some individuals alive to release in the future. Zoos fill a lot of niches, but for conservation, that is the flashiest explanation. If zoos want to continue to expand and fulfill their goals and missions, all zoos need to take care of their people better. Most keepers I have talked to experience some level of short staffing, low pay, or a mixture of the two. Remember, most zoos want a college degree for not the greatest pay in some of the biggest cities in the country. My zoo runs into some of that, but we strive to showcase native animals to our region, as well as be a resource for our local, state, and federal wildlife services. We house many unreleasable animals because of their injuries or conditions. Zoos also educate the public, which is a huge chunk of many budgets. As you can tell, Kyle is very passionate about animals and what he does. He loves zookeeping, he loves the region he's in, and he's great with animals. He has a few animals that know his voice and perk up when they see him. Without zoos, many endangered species would disappear due to poaching, environmental changes, and a host of other factors. So this week, I hope you've taken the time to thank a zookeeper for all that they do, since it is a very cool job, but also thankless a lot of the time. Not everyone can be a zookeeper, but anyone can thank a zookeeper. With that being said, thank you so much, Kyle, for your contribution to this episode and for the fantastic idea for a ship to cover. I love you so much, and I'm so glad I can make this episode in your honor. As for SS City of Salisbury, let's hope we can spread this story around and remember such a strange ship with such peculiar circumstances, as well as all of the animals she carried with her. If you want to hear about another story involving the breakup of a cargo ship, check out our episode on SS Edmund Fitzgerald. Thanks so much to our lovely patrons for subscribing and supporting the channel and myself as a creator. You guys are awesome and it really does help us out. If you'd like to help support this channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash shipwrecksunday to join. Thank you for tuning into Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a 5-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. 
Check out our community tab for updates and to interact with us. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tune in next Sunday for the story of SS Waratah, a passenger and cargo vessel that disappeared on her second voyage and is still missing to this day. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.